Hey everybody, my name is Alex and this is Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. Now, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, you're just getting into it for the new year or something like that, I encourage you to go check out previous episodes. The last two previous episodes are Thursday editions, which are different than this one. This episode of the podcast comes out every other Sunday, or this version of the podcast comes out every other Sunday, and it's more metatextual more sometimes news-focused, sometimes fandom-focused, sometimes industry-focused, sometimes just art and writing-focused, as it will be with this one. But um, the previous two episodes of the podcast you can go check out right now are Shirobako, are all about Shirobako the movie and all about Chainsaw Man. So definitely go check those out. Shirobako the movie is actually the first episode of the year, um, which um, Chainsaw Man was the last episode of the year. It just it just worked out that way. Um, but on that note, let's jump into what I want to talk about this week on our Sunday edition of Lunchbox Radio. Now, I don't just watch anime, and I'm sure a lot of, especially old taku, quote-unquote, generally, you know, otaku who are usually in their 30s or 40s by now who have been watching anime, not just for a couple years, not for like seven years, for like decades. We have been through the full up and down of it. Um, if you are familiar with um, Cosplay Fiend over on TikTok or Bennett the Sage over on YouTube, they both clearly, if you're not, I encourage you to go check both of them out. Bennett is has been doing it for, doing it for over 11 years, from what I understand, um, and um, doing it publicly for over 11 years. Like he has publicly had a YouTube channel called Anime Abandoned that I deeply love, um, for over 10 years at the very least. I suspect eleven, but I'm I'm I didn't get into this for math, man. Um, and cosplay fiend is no more new or old than either of us, but he is over on TikTok, and um, he also has stuff on Facebook, on Instagram Reels. Um, but he very clearly is of the same ilk as someone like Bennett, someone like me, and actually I had. Um, cosplay fiend on this podcast for a Sunday edition that you can find in the feed in whatever app you're using to listen to this podcast right now. So if you're curious, you can go check that out too. We had a lot of fun since we're like we're right in the same age range of anime. So it was a lot of us being weird old anime fans for like 40 minutes. It was great. But on that note. The, the long and short of it is I, I watch a lot of different things. Like, I just went to see that movie Babylon, the, um, the Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, David Clava movie from the director of La La Land that is all about the very early days of, of Hollywood where... They're transitioning from silent movies 
into what they call the talkies. Um, and then ultimately, it, that movie starts in the 20s and ends in the 50s. But um, needless to say, it's it's an awfully arresting movie. And if you've seen La La Land and you go to see this, do not expect the same things. They are very different fucking movies about the same core place about Hollywood, but not not even close to from the same like brain, if that makes from the same like perspective, if that makes any sense. Um, but on that note, I also watched a little show from um, Apple. From on Apple TV Plus, actually, I've watched it for a couple seasons, called "For All Mankind," which I I see this show as the ultimate dad show. Like, there's like a weird moment where dads get real bored a lot of times, and they get into like civil war or like wars in general, conflicts in general. And, or they get into something that's, like, bigger than them because they, it's just interesting and fascinating. And lots, for lots of people, for lots of guys and people in general, that thing ends up being NASA. And what, but what from, what from, what For All Mankind is, is one of my favorite kinds of writing prompts. It's, essentially a what-if scenario. And I've talked about this a lot on the podcast. Like, a good a good what-if scenario gets me every fucking time, no matter what. But what that means is that they have this, what, this one what-if scenario, and then they start spiraling out from that. And they eventually layer multiple what-ifs on top of each other. Sometimes they're just incidental, like they're just... Like, we've created an alternate moment here. or And sometimes they're related to the original what-if scenario. And the what-if scenario that they have in this show is, what if the Russians made it to the moon first? Like, what if they touched down first? What does that look like? What does that start to look like? What does it look like when the space race keeps going because... Because explicitly because America lost it first, but then weird sci-fi shit starts happening. And in terms of sci-fi shows I've seen, my favorite sci-fi show probably of all time that I've ever seen is actually sci-fi original that did very well. I think it ran for like 13 seasons or something called Eureka. And what Eureka was kind of ingenious at in that is that it made this town that what is what you would generally think of as a company town in this town of Eureka. And I forget where they said it in America, but it was like this town in America that was a company town that was essentially funded by the government and the world's greatest scientists just kind of lived there and they all worked at this one giant lab that produced the most insane sci-fi shit you could ever imagine. Like, they had teleportation figured out, but they didn't have, like, they didn't trust the ethics of what teleportation was. So they just never, like, they figured it out and then promptly never did it again. Because <laughs> they're like, 
this isn't so much like we figured out teleportation, but we're pretty sure what we figured out is cloning you in a different location and then killing the original. <laughs> so that doesn't seem ethically great. So we're not we're just not gonna give this out to the public. We're not gonna say that this solved anything fucking ever. Uh, because we 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 asked a question and we came up with a answer to a different question and oops and like every once in a while there's like the, the plot of the show is essentially like you have a point of view character who shows up in this town for reasons and he has to deal with all the weird sci-fi shit in this town um but that's a great that's a great that's a great sci-fi premise and it's not really a what if question though now, the reason why I'm talking about, like, Babylon and For All Mankind and Eureka is because what Eureka managed to do that, what Eureka and Babylon managed to do with their writing was sidestep this problem that For All Mankind has. And that some, and that anything that has, that had to be written in any way can have, which is, I'm sorry, I'm drinking tea. I'm actually recording this on Sunday morning, stunningly, because I can. Um, but the what these shows have what what Eureka and Babylon sidestep is they don't they don't deal with they don't deal in a scenario in which stuff can just pop up randomly and it feels out of place. Like the the in Eureka, they've set up a scenario where it can be Monster of the Week, where shit can just pop off, and nobody knows why, and most of the episode is like, wait, why the fuck is there a dragon in the forest now? Like, <laughs> which one of you fucked up scientists made a dragon, and then, oops, let it loose. Whereas, something like For All Mankind, they... They've created an alternate reality, and they've created an alternate reality in which they have a core premise, and eventually in, I think, I think For All Mankind is on, like, season three or four, I forget what number the season is, the, the current season of it, they go to Mars. They just go to Mars, and, like, the moon is all sorted out, and the moon by the last season, it's either season three or four. Um, it's either season two or three, rather. Um, it's all sorted out, and, like, they had they had a big moon conflict where they brought guns to the moon and fucking shot each, shot each other in space. It was a whole thing. Um, but the... Like, they sorted out the conflict of the moon, and they moved on to Mars. And... In doing that, they have this weird, they have this, they eventually set up this weird three-way space literal race where a private company, the NASA, and the Russians are all racing to space. But the Russians fuck up in the middle and have to get picked up by NASA. So you think the private company, a company that in the show is called Helios, is, and I'm explaining this for a reason, 
is going to win. And for all intents and purposes, they get to Mar they get to Mars and they can't they can't land because of a dust storm. And NASA and like the the head pilot of the NASA operation is just continuing to not land, to not land, to not land. And eventually they get to land first. So NASA gets to land first. And then you have the whole race to find liquid water, a whole race to find liquid water and all this shit. To do all this shit on Mars. And then what they do, which is partially just this like fucked up joke they play on these on these two on the Russian character and the American character who wanted to be the first human to set foot on Mars, is they essentially pose another what if in the middle there. And this what if is what if South Korea had their what if North Korea had their shit together enough to like do a shoddy secret launch to the moon, to, to Mars, except only one of them makes it. Only only one of the North Korean astronauts makes it, touched down on Mars. And he touched down first. But he touched down first, like, at the expense of fucking everything. It's now going crazy on fucking Mars. And that's where the show fucking lost me. And, and bear in mind, to the point, to this point, they had, they had a space sex scene, or, or they had, I think they had a sex scene on Mars, in which it, this show eventually ratchets up to slingshotting a pregnant lady off of the, off of Mars onto an orbiting space station onto a space station orbiting Mars so she can have her baby. <sighs> and she is full-on pregnant for nine months on Mars. Just full-on pregnant on Mars. It, but by that point, they've, they've already... Like, they, they've introduced her pregnant. They fucking... It's just like... It, The thing that happened, at least, uh, the thing, there are two things that I attribute this kind of writing to. And I, I think this kind of writing affects anime too, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. But the two kinds of things that, there's two incidents I think that created this, an environment where you can take ostensibly serious, cool idea of a like hard sci fi, very grounded hard sci fi of a show called. In um, for all mankind, and you can kind of—I'm not gonna say so much fuck it up as make it make it an odd thing to watch because you inject this like random lull bullshit essentially. Well, you could have taken it, like, seriously 
and you could have dropped you can drop bombs in shows and they land seriously and they don't seem zany but the point at which you are approached with random South Korean man on Mars with a gun (laughs) you're gonna lose some people and those two points are first so like the happy days jump the shark moment in which um what's his face um the in which Defond literally I think jumps a shark with a jet ski in an attempt to like keep viewers on happy days um and then there's the then there's the show scandal which is from a bunch, which is from this point at this point, from a bunch of years back. I think I was still in high school when it was last on. But the thing with Scandal is that it was this like political political drama about a political fixer. It's it's the reason a lot of people know the name Kerry Washington as an actress because she was the star of the show, and that thing got so twisty constantly. That at some point it felt like you were kind of watching the realization of that what a twist, um, robot chicken sketch, and it, like people loved it, and like people like it kind of launched the Shonda the Shonda rhymes rhymes a verse, um, or the Sh- a Shonda or the Shonda verse, if you will, that and um, Grey's Anatomy. But it like at some po- at some point they were advertising the twistiness of that show more than they were advertising the straight up story more more and like and the show seemed to care about how how twisty it could get without caring about what that meant for the storyline and when you get things like once again fling or like slingshotting a pregnant lady off Mars. You kind of get to that. You you kind of get to that problem. It, it, it you you get to you get to something in that on that level of crazy. And you see and one of the one of anime's real abilities is to do this and for you to have and and for the you to like it to be ratcheted up so high at that point that you just don't notice or it's just a fun goof or it's a fun goof and they commit to it all the way so for example a great junk jump the shark moment in anime is in Hajime no Ippo um Tamora um I think his name is Tamora the like have the heavyweight boxer, ultimately the heavyweight champion of the world, gets in a fight with a bear, gets in a straight up street brawl with a goddamn grizzly bear in the woods, beats the crap out of this bear, but the bear like slashes him across the chest, and from that point on in the show, he had, his character design is literally changed, and he had this giant bear claw scar across his chest. And it's this, like, goofy, weird, deeply, like, 
masculine, insane things they do. They do it once and never again. But they also set the character up to be that way, and they set the whole thing up. They don't ever have to, like, do the thing where they reach back in time and tell you, like, an alternate, like, an also-happened-at-the-same-time story, which is what they did with the, um, what's it called? With the, um, what they did with, the North Korean guy in on Mars in for all mankind. They don't have to do any kind of what's the word? Um, they, they don't have to retrospectively add shit in. I, and I know there's a word for that. I forget it in the moment, but there you go. And I think that I th I'm not saying you have to be like. Um, What's his face? Um, the creator of One Piece and have it mapped out in your head, more or less. But I'm saying, like, it's usually better for the writing of any particular show if you have an idea of, like, the Overton window of a character. And what I mean by that is if you have an idea of what the character could conceivably do in the, like, cre in the range of that character. And if you want them to do something else, you have to kind of move that Overton window of that character to compensate for, oh, we want them to do this, to be also be a character that does this. One of the things that makes... Um, one piece work actually is the Overton window of Light Yagami is immediately established as motherfucker is a serial killer. Like motherfucker will kill with abandon as he he believes that he is right. He believes he can become a just and meaningful god, and his Overton window is immediately so wide that. You totally believe that he would, like, kill anybody to keep the secret so he could keep killing, you know, death row inmates or criminals. And, like, keep making the world a better place. You immediately fucking believe that. And you believe that in large part because Ryuk just basically picks this sociopathic child... Out of all these humans he was watching, like, oh, this this one seems like this might be fun for a while. Let's let's give him this superpower and see what he does with it. And the series is about like you, the full experience that is Light's Overton Window. <laughs> if you don't know what Overton Window means, Overton Window is essentially it's a it's a marketing term, I believe, where you set the high and the low of someone's expectations and everything in the middle is what you call the Overton window. When you shift it one way or another, it's like, what's, what's a good example? A good example of the Overton window, and a lot of times it's used to, like, in the example of um, politics, is 
you want to move the Overton window towards legalizing weed. So you normalize it more and more and more and more. And so you shift people's Overton window into what the, to what they'll expect versus what you want to do or what you believe should happen. What I'm, the way I'm using it here, that term here is, when you look at a character like Tamora, like Light Yagami, like even somebody like Goku, you have a certain level of expectation on the high and the low end of what they'll do. Shifting that, moving that, takes time and takes like a little plotting, but you get there and it, um, and then you have more or less range with the character. Um, but, or, or with the series or whatever. What I think is bad writing about random North Korean man on Mars, being the first person on Mars, is they didn't take the time to shift the Overton windows sufficiently. They showed a moment where North Korea is fucking up constantly in that show. They're like, oops! We killed a whole bunch of people because we created space trash. Like, shit like that. They didn't show a moment where... They didn't... They didn't not only did they not show the characters in, in world something that happened, they didn't show the audience something that happened until it mattered that it happened. And the problem with that in writing is you have to be really careful with it because it that's where you get into the problem of that's not the way the world works. Like, that's not the way reality works. You can't just introduce stuff because it needs to be introduced. Because it needs to be introduced at that moment. Or, and this is an alternative, you have to constantly be doing that. You have to constantly, you have to m make an expectation, you have to make the Overton window for a show or a story you're telling that you will never know anything and you will always encounter things that make no fucking sense to you. And that's how you avoid the problem of, as you know, you are my brother, brother, in writing lots of times. So the... I want to talk about the movie I just saw, A, because it was a lot of fun, and B, because... I think it has a kind of lesson in fabulous fucking writing. In that, the movie starts, uh, um, spoilers for Babylon, if you want to go see it. I know, I know for a fact it's out now. I saw it yesterday night. Um, but that movie starts with this insane, it's like unhinged, off the chain, 1920s madness of a house party. Just like the the most banging, both sexually and literally and metaphorically, party you've ever seen in your f goddamn fucking life. It 
it's absolute madness. But at the same time, it seems like absolute madness that happens all the fucking time. <laughs> and in this, in this house party, you meet four characters. The four characters who you will basically um, for let's say five. I think five because yeah, five. You meet five characters who you will kind of follow for the rest. Who you will follow in varying degrees for the rest of the movie. And it pretty clearly says, "Hey, these are the four characters you should be paying attention to." Everybody else is this giant, unhinged, cocaine-fueled madness. Doesn't matter. But what it does with that moment is it achieves a kind of, like, visual madness that I I would liken to something like Paprika. Like the, like the parade scene in Paprika. Imagine if you just dumped a whole bunch of cocaine and sex on top of that. Like, just... just Rock and roll. <laughs> and I, I read a review this morning in bed about the movie, and they said it could be better written, and they, like, they kind of, at least Variety, was not a huge fan of how it had no perspective character. And I, I came on, I'm like, yeah, but it, like, that's one perspective on it, but also, I don't think it needs a perspective character. And it does have one in its ways, but eventually you're not, you don't spend a ton of time with him. You spend kind of time somewhat equally with three of the characters, and then there's like highlight moments for the, for the, uh, for the other two. And it has this moment of writing where it, all of a sudden, just kind of like a rewind and re rewind and repositioning of itself of like this thing is about this industry. This thing is about the monster Hollywood was on its way to being this like so sweet it's saccharine nineteen fifties musical, sing-it-in-the-rain nonsense thing. And there's a, there's a really great... Hey, if you, haven't, if you haven't seen any photos of Tobey Maguire in this movie, go find photos of Tobey Maguire in this movie. Even if you have no interest in seeing this movie, go find strung-out mob boss goddamn Tobey Maguire from this movie. It's amazing. But eventually what the movie gets to, and once again, spoilers for this movie, is it gets to this inversion of that, like, bacchanalis, insane, cocaine-fueled, part orgy, part party, part, like, madness that you saw in the beginning. And that's demonstrated by this weird, fucked up, sex and murder dungeon that the, um, that essentially the main character 
is taken through by um for plot reasons by um Toby Maguire. And if you don't realize in that moment that like this is the other side of the coin, it's insane. And what that what that moment in that movie does that the moment in that the moment in um for all mankind attempt to do and things like the bear fight in um Hajime no Ippo do and things like the mur- the um female detective murder in in um Death Note do is it successfully shows you the con- the consequence of the madness that you've seen the like the bad end of it like what happens when yeah you want you want to live in Hollywood you want to make a living but this but like the studios do not accept you the studio like when you're when you're in show business but you're not on the marquee and you'll never be on the marquee because the kind of show business you're in is is abhorrent and like or you're in you're in show business and you have and the world has left has deemed what you do to not be to not be okay (laughs) and in that moment i was like i should talk about i should a talk about writing on my um sunday edition because the other thing I think is really important is I think that there's something to be said for being forced into writing writing your way around in circles for a while. Because one of my favorite things about big, bombastic shonen, I'm going to call it old style shonen, is that you have these massive worlds that need to exist for without basically without the concept of seasons for a long time like dragon ball ran on forever um naruto ran forever what's it called um my hero academia is in its like seventh season and every one of those moments you have moments where there needs to be connective tissue and you have but in that you have moments where the writing really excels so one of my favorite episodes of a shonen anything ever is the episode of My Hero Academia devoted to Twice. That's a that's a um that's a, a like a transit. What I call a transitional episode. It's at the very beginning of I think one of the seasons, and they follow Twice, the villain character from the League of Villains, on just like a day in his life. And you see why he's so fucked up. You see why he ended up at the, like, bad end of society. You see what his quirk has done to him. And then it makes sense. And then later on in, I think it's season six, whatever season they 
fight with the Yakuza in. You see a moment in which Toga is like, like you understand why Twice and Toga are like a, are a pair because they get each other and they they're important to each other and they like it matters. And then later when they do the like villain my villain academia arc, you see what drove to, you see what drove all of them out of society but you see really what drove toga out of society you see that her quirk is anathema it is and i've talked about this before uh, in my conversation about i think specifically the my villain academia season you can find it in there but you see her story and that reinforces everything. What you do when you... Like... Retroactively add things... In the moment... to In order to make your audience care... It, it seems like you dropped the ball. It seems like you're like, oh fuck, we didn't explain this. And if you don't have enough moments in your show, anime or otherwise, you end up not having the foundation that will support that thing. If you look back, if you watch the fourth season of For All Mankind, you get to that point. You can look back and you can see that they started bringing up North Korea and North Korea and North Korea fucking up. The first big arc of the season of that of the current season of For All Mankind, it basically happened because North Korea fucked everything up, and they handle it correctly there. But at no point do they give you a moment where something could have come from that fucking up. So when it does, you're like, oh yeah, they did mention North Korea a bunch of times. But that, that, one plus one equal, equals two, but that was not a math problem that was presented to me. Um, and on that note, I think I'm going to wrap it here since we're already almost at 40 minutes. Um, I try to keep these to like around 30, 40 minutes. Um, if you like this podcast, New episodes of the show come out every Thursday and every other Sunday. Sunday editions are like this. They are metatextual. They are more like focused on just concepts and the anime industry and anime fandom and stuff like that. And if usually if I have a specific special guest, I will put it in the Sunday edition um, slot just for scheduling reasons and also like not break the flow of the Thursday editions. Um, and, and these Thursday editions are about specific shows, specific properties. They're my thoughts on, say, Chainsaw Man. They're my thoughts on Shirobaka the movie, the two most recent ones. Um, another great one is um, Vermilion Gold or Sabakui Bisco or Police in a Pod, that kind of stuff. So they're all pretty recent episodes you can go find in the feed right now if you want to hear more of my lovely voice and if you really like the show i encourage you to leave a five-star review on whatever podcast 
app you're using to listen to me right now. It really helps. It lets other people know about the show, and it boots me in some rankings, I'm sure. Um, but on that note, I've been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio, Sunday edition. And I will talk to you on Thursday.